Hello and welcome to the Creative Scramble. My name is Cal Thompson and today we're joined by commercial director Adam Riozzi. Did I say that right? Yeah, Adam Riozzi. Yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> Any, anyway. Okay, cool. So Adam started in graphic design and eventually worked his way up to becoming an in-house director at one of the largest agencies in the UK, creating content for likes of Aldi, Taifu and cross-country trains. Can you tell I went on your website yeah. and did my research? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a way of me kind of keeping track of what I've done because it's easy to kind of forget yeah. what you've done, basically. So, you obviously, you've got some pretty impressive work under your belt and obviously you're keeping track of it on your website. Can you tell us how it all started? Yeah, um, yeah. so it was kind of weird, really. I mean, I did the usual thing, went to uni, um, did a course, which wasn't film, um, it was called interactive design and it was a good course. It was kind of experimental course. So it covered quite a lot of stuff, maybe too much stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of different modules, some are 3D and some were making a website. And it kind of led me to just pick my own avenue myself, really. Um, and towards the end of that uh, degree, I kind of thought, right, I need to start using video. But this was before... Um, DSLRs, you know, 5Ds, 60Ds, whatever. So that wasn't really... You're showing, you, you're showing your age there. I know. This is, this I is know. pre-internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm going to sound really old. I'm going to moan about YouTube <laughs> and all that. But yeah, I mean, this is before all that. I mean, which is, it's great now, obviously. But back then it was, the, what was the best camera? I think the uni owned like a, was it a Canon... One, it had like this fancy name, but it wasn't great. It's probably awful now, the camera, but that was like the fancy camera they had, and they had like one of them, and I never really got to use it because it was always like, oh, so it's it's waiting for the year above they're using it, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of owned my own really, really crap. It was a JVC DV200. It basically recorded to, um, was it Hi8 or... It was to tape, right? Yeah, and now I sound old, obviously. But now that's all trendy. But back then, that that wasn't trendy at all. It just looked like shit. But I kind of wanted to use film or, or video in any way I could, um, even back from college as well. So, um, yeah, so I just kind of started there. And then, you know, you get your degree. Like most people go to uni, you kind of come out of it, and then you're thinking, what do we do? where do we go and it's probably different now but back then it was like what do you actually do with this interactive des design degree so uh, from there I kind of thought well what's actually possible and it was just to try graphic design it's sort of I'm, in I'm interested in it anyway um, as a hobby and stuff but uh tried to do that for free a freelance but it was hard to kind of get in there and actually make that a full-time job really so just had a string of like, you know, normal jobs and then blah, blah, blah. I'll fast forward because this is probably the longest intro ever. It's me like life story. Um, but ended up kind of getting a job at an agency. And I think for me, that was kind of my uh, like education or that was my uni. I learned more working in that because it's in the industry. So it was I was already like in there um, and that kind of got me where I am today. Amazing. So, did you get a job as a director? At, we're gonna let's just say it's McCann because we're gonna end up mentioning it at some yeah, point. It's obviously a massive agency based in Cheshire and got bases all over yeah. the UK. 
Um, did you go in straight as a director or did you go in as a different role and then build up to directing content um, through that? Yeah, so I went in as, it was, it's, it's different. No, I went in as, it was for to work in the content department, which at the time was new, completely new. Um, I mean, content even nowadays is people are kind of like, well, what is content? You know, whatever. But back then it was kind of like they didn't produce anything in-house. So it was this kind of like new department in a way. And it was like three or four of us. And I just joined as a, produ- a producer. Um, it's weird, really, because my title was producer, but I wasn't like a producer as in like a producer, you know, really is in the industry. But I was more, you know, just get in there and make it. And it was that was kind of the level. It was like, can you make stuff? Yeah, done it. You know, and to get the job, I kind of had to make like a little uh, fake advert. Um, and it was for, like, it was if it was a, a fake commercial for Felix cat food. So I, uh, luckily I had a cat, so uh, I used my cat on that. But we made that to kind of probably show what skills we've got. And then, you know, there was an interview and then it got it. And then the job basically was, we've got this client, you want to make these little content videos, whether it was like little product videos. And we just went off and made it completely like, every brief was like, okay, what are we going to do? So not like we were winging it, but we were kind of like, well, what is this video and where does it go and what, what does it look like? Because even some of the clients didn't 100% know what they wanted. So it was it was all like feeling your way through it in a way, which is good because that's how I learn how agencies work, how what content is, what, what you're meant to do, some, most of the equipment. Because the first camera we used as a department was a, a 5D, um, which is a good, good camera, of course, but um, just using that for film a lot. And then, you know, you build it up. And so it's quite interesting, really, to start at that level, uh, especially me doing a jump from not really filming a lot of stuff to being someone who does it all the time. And they've got to deliver it and kind of it probably helped that I'm kind of laid back in a way not in a bad way but I didn't get too nervous about it because looking back I probably could have thought what am I doing I could completely fuck this up (laughs) (laughs) so your job was to I guess produce direct often shoot edit and deliver all this online content Mm. under one roof yeah all all, yeah the whole package really yeah great like what what was your experience like working with with Aldi and you know these massive, massive brands, like, did, were you given much creativity in terms of pitching ideas, and how were they to sort of work with? Yeah, I, um, it's like any client really. Like you, you know, you get some that are really controlling, some are really like freeing, some are, you know, let you do what you want. I think Aldi were really good because, because obviously they're so big and they were on the like they're still on the up, but they were on the up at the time, and. Um, I think we began doing for little product videos today so of this kind of like special buy thing and we did some videos for that um, and then they started this new kind of whole YouTube channel it was Taste Kitchen and they, this was like basically all food uh, which is this is how I've ended up kind of like I'd say like half of my stuff I've done is like food which I never planned to do that but you just end up doing what you do don't you and then you, you know you kind of pick that and try and make that more of a job but we um we started doing a lot of that, but as a client, they were they were great because they just let you like get on with it. They were open to like separate 
like different pitches, little ideas. Some stuff come directly from like you know our little department. Some stuff went through the creative department, um, and it was a nice extra little thing to work with. And they let us play about a bit and try new things and everything really. Yeah, yeah. Do you think more agencies are taking projects in house rather than bringing in external crews? Uh, I think it, I don't know. It depends what it is. I th- I think maybe because McCann's different really because it's so big. Um, can you just explain how big it is for somebody who might not know? Uh, um, McCann, Manchester. Uh, it's about three hundred odd people. Uh, it's essentially it's like own like campus in the middle of the countryside. It's got a swimming pool, which I never got in ever. But yeah, um, but it's great, and yeah, it is pretty huge. Down the road, they, they own these. They, you know, they've got these two huge studios. You know, fully kitted out. Is this whole still studio? So they're pretty massive, and again, that was why you know for me it was great to work there and have kind of all that uh, at my disposal in a way. You know, even if even if it was like watching the guys do the stills, see how they do that. If any external crews did come in, I could watch them and learn off them. You're never gonna get that in uni, so um, on my uni course anyway. So it was great to kind of. Uh, work within that so yeah we're kind of massive obviously um, that's why they had Aldi as a client and other you know big clients as well but I think maybe maybe I, I'm kind of seeing more now than I'm freelance that there's a lot of little agencies that do stuff in-house and maybe they'll only go external when it requires a certain set of skills or it might be something a little bit bigger than they used to um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe their overheads, it makes sense to be in, in-house, but someone like McCann, they did both. So, you know, we would make stuff. Uh, I ended up making some commercials and that was great of, you know, them to like, let us have a go at that. And then they realized that, oh, we can do that now as well. So we can do that ourselves. Um, so it's like a good mix really. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So obviously you've mentioned you're now a freelance director. Why why, why did you choose to go freelance and how's that going for you? Yeah, um, yeah. so, well, I mean, uh, at McCann, what was I at McCann for like four or five years maybe? Um, and then towards the end I started to pick up the odd kind of freelance job, um, which for me was just like, because in a way, if you're in-house, you are stuck with what clients you've got if you know what I mean so especially someone like as big as McCann they only have a certain set of clients and they're big and you can get different things from them but now and again something else would come in and be like oh I want to do that or oh I'll shoot that music video you know that was for free and stuff but uh, yeah it was to do the odd freelance gig was kind of nice just to do to have a bit more freedom and then I basically I live in Sweden now so that you know i not like I had no choice, but my, the the idea was well, I can go there and be freelance. These these loads of production companies there live near Stockholm, so yeah, that was not like a, I did choose it and I did want to be freelance, but it is always a risk, you know. And you you know you speak to people who are freelancers, especially directors, it's it's quite a, a different one, um, and it it is a bit of a risk because you know you are you might have a few jobs and then you might not have one for a month or two, or it might take a lot of time developing a job you know what you're doing treatments or you're working on 
just working with another agency to get a different job and then they might not you might not get it in the end or you might get it but that might take a few weeks and then all that time you might not be having other jobs so it can be risky so but I kind of became freelance because uh, we, we moved over here and I thought I've got to give it a go and that was kind of it and it's paid off it's been great like I actually uh, really love being freelance now. You, did you move with a partner or something? It's an interesting choice to choose Sweden mm. of, of all places. Like, what what made you want to move uh, there? Have you got my, contacts there already? No, me me girlfriend now my wife is, is Swedish, so we had a, we had a, a a baby last year, um, and the plan was always like if we have a baby, we'll go to Sweden. It, it's easier with all the, you know, uh, childcare and all that stuff. So. Uh, that was kind of the logical choice, and uh, she she'd lived over in the UK for a bit, so it was like, okay, now it's our turn to go to Sweden. And then my kind of thought was, well, if I can be freelance, I can do it anywhere, really. Uh, you know, I've been over here and I've done a few jobs in uh, in London while being over here. So, um, being freelance lets you do that, you know, and I think that's the good thing about it. Uh, the only downside is like obviously the worry maybe of when have I got my next job or I need to get in touch with them or you constantly being your own uh, promotional tool basically. Uh, so I, at first you think, oh, I'm freelance, I'll have loads of like days where I can just uh, chill out and play Xbox. But uh, you actually can't because you're just constantly going, right, I've got to email them, got to do that, got to do that, got to make that, oh, got to make that edit, got to make sure that's on my website. So you are kind of your own you are your own company, obviously, but you, you, this stuff, when you, you, you're not working, you're always working. And I think the hardest thing is to turn off. And I th- in this industry anyway, I think it's hard to turn off. Yeah. What, what are some techniques that you sort of go about to promote yourself? You mentioned emailing, but are there other things that you utilise to sort of bring the work in? Um, I think the website helps as a tool to send someone a link and then they can go on that and just instantly see everything you've not everything you've done but you know your your choice of work so they can you know put the web address in comes up okay he he does this 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 and this and then you've got the choice then whether to choose you know what you want to show what you want to specialize in whether it's food or i've put mine in different categories like these food there's everything else these personal work uh, so that's a good thing to have. I think I think yeah, everyone should have a website, but I think Instagram's quite a important tool as well. So the hard part is maybe have like a personal one for like you know crap stuff, whatever, and then have like a work one. And then th- I think I found that as quite a good uh, way of even just talking to people in the industry, like you know other dops or other people who make stuff producers you know you can production companies are on there you can see what people are up to um that's a really like important tool it's better than linkedin anyway i mean linkedin's good you've got to be on that as well but i suppose you've got to be on all these things nowadays yeah yeah do you think it's important to have a niche as a director you know you mentioned food and or you have a couple of categories you're not saying you can direct everything and anything mm. do you think that's important i don't know it's it's hard, like, I mean, because I, you know, obviously look at all of the director's work and at, at all levels and, you know, I follow quite, I, fo- I probably follow too many uh, on Instagram, I'm talking about, um, too many, like, DOPs, because they work all the time and you get to see a lot of their stuff on set and 
they shoot a lot of different stuff and maybe they have a style but if you followed if you just just as a um a test if you go on instagram and find a director's instagram who's you know quite active on instagram and compare that to a, a, a dop's instagram you'll see a lot less shots of cameras and on set stuff in the director's one it'll just kind of look like a personal one really maybe but then the dop's would be all cameras and on set stuff and everything else but i think that's what i find i find that interesting a bit more but directors sometimes can, it can just look like a boring old instagram and i suppose because all the work you're doing as trying to be a director is you know under the under level it's kind of not secret but it's all it's in all the emails and how you're trying to sell yourself whether you do like a you know a mailer i kind of I, I did last year like a a thing that you could send out to different production companies and it was printed on um like newspaper paper so it's basically like a little didn't look like a newspaper but the paper was and it was basically like a portfolio um and i had some replies from that which was nice so that was kind of a nice thing just to send out because you can always send a website you can always you know here's me instagram but it's nice to have something to hold as well to something to get in the mail i mean directing is more about the idea and the overall sort of feel of a project compared to a dop who's more visual yeah you know, a DOP is rarely concerned about sound. I know that's difficult for soundies to no, hear. No, exactly. Yeah. But they're going to they're going to double down on what their skill set yeah. is. So I get that's why they have you know more camera porn type mm. shots. And it is, I guess, it is very hard to share an idea through via Instagram mm. to promote your directing skills, and and also separate that out from everybody else. Yeah. Um, how would you say you do separate yourself out as a director? Do you think compared to other people? It's it. It's a really hard question. I've never. It's hard, really, because I see some people, and you're like, you know, you might go on Vimeo and watch a couple of um, ads and stuff, and you're always seeing it through the the, through the uh, prism of what they've chose to share. Like, I could share, you know, like twenty percent of what I do, and then I could say, that's that's what I do. I do, you know, stuff that's dark and emotional or whatever not like i've done that i don't know but just as an example and then i could not share any of the food stuff but it's a hard one because you, you maybe it does get to a point where you do have to choose what you want to do and you know your kind of day-to-day stuff you can always do as well but then you run the risk of if you don't say say if i decided oh i don't want to do anything food anymore i would just take all the food stuff down not try and mention it and then a wouldn't get any food stuff anymore, but they're kind of the good jobs. They're nice jobs to do as well. You know, they're fun. Like a lot of people on set, you know, these food, you can eat that. Um, so so it's hard like to go, okay, I'm going to do stuff like this and I'm going to only try and get that. And it, I suppose the bigger you get and the more work you do, you do end up maybe having a niche. But for me, I've never really made that choice because... Because of where it started, it was like, do this. This is a product video. Okay, this is food. Uh, this thing's got loads of kids in. This one's got dogs covered in mud, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay. I mean, I just wanted to show that I, I could do stuff. And in a way, like, it widens your skill set. So you're like, oh, I've done lots of food now, so I'll make that a section. Oh, I've done some commercials. That's separate. And, oh, I've done this, and it's all, you know, run and gun. And I was on the camera, and I did the editing. But it is hard to like limit yourself and to show what you want to do. But I suppose the the way of showing all that is 
through maybe like personal work, um, which is always hard to get around to doing because you know if you're working a lot, then it's always hard to do stuff without a budget or whatever. But I think there's always people who are up for doing things on the weekend, uh, whether it's a little music video or a short film or something like that. What kind of personal projects have you worked on recently? Not so much recently, um, because I've been busy moving and uh, being freelance, basically. But I did like a few uh, music videos. Um, trying to get a start a short film, which is the hardest thing, because um, it's with uh, someone in the UK, so that's quite hard, obviously, because Olivia. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 just it's just it's good to do because then you know you, you you feel completely free. But on these last few freelance jobs I've done, um, I've kind of had a lot of freedom, uh, which has been great, and um, that's been good to do because you never usually. I, I was I was always kind of used to not the constraints creatively, but just general constraints of if you work in an agency and you've got the client, you have a lot more people involved. If it's a big agency, anyway, you've got. You know, you've got maybe like a whole extra department involved, or it's bigger. It's a bigger workflow. When if you do stuff, say if you freelance and you do stuff for a small agency that might have like ten people, you you kind of you you kind of brought on like hundred percent for okay. We've seen this. You can do. Can you do that? And then it's all up to you. Then hundred percent. It's not like you don't sometimes. You know, I you, you might not have a crew to help you out. So. It's hard in a way. That that that's again. That's the that's been the risk for me. Um, being freelance as um, having that, not 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 having the freedom, but also being like, okay, it is all on me here. So let's see if I can do it. I mean, you mentioned obviously the quite big teams at agencies, and even though you were the director, you know, were there any times when you were overruled and you you know you had to back down from a particular project and go in a different direction, even though it's not what you wanted to do. Uh, not 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 so much like overruled. More like you know you would get the brief. You would um, maybe it would go through the creative team. They would have an idea, and then you would get on board with that idea, and then you'd maybe do like a little treatment. So you would then because I was in house. Usually the briefs come straight to us. Didn't really have to do treatments to get jobs, if you know what I mean. Because I was in house, so. The brief would come in, then we'd kind of work on a treatment to sell to the client. So we'd sell the idea, and if anything, it was always it was always the client saying like, "Oh, okay, but maybe we can, you know, make sure it's not too sad or not too scary, or you know, d- depending on what it was." Um, so maybe it was always like the client saying that. It was never really um, working at McCann anyway. It was never really saying like, "No, we're not going to do that." It was always like, "Well, we can try it," or. Uh, maybe the client won't go for that or we already know what the client would like so let's try and steer it a little bit that way but um yeah yeah i mean that's that's the the hard part and maybe the maybe you, you could get frustrated you know like oh i want to do it like this or but then if you've got the time you can always go off and do like a test and then you can always show the client that and then they just go oh well you know that's like free free work for them and if they like it then they would go okay well we'll do that in the next idea what was your experience like working with team gb yeah they were uh, great i mean that that was it was team gb in it but it was kind of through aldi because they were a sponsor um 
So it was always uh, we had these kind of big, uh, kind of like when you do when you do you know work with a football team and you've got like a big content day. So it's a similar setup where you've just got a lot of content to get in a day, and all these athletes are just getting thrown around. They'll pillar to post like, oh, go away, do that now, run run over there, do that, say this, say all these lines. But the um, to be a, for them like you know as an athlete and that and just say say all these lines and we're gonna. You got to do this and look at the camera and hit this point and look heroic and I mean it's harder for them. It's easy for us, you know, as long as we've got our camera where it wants to be and we know how much time we've got and you're nice enough to them and you know exactly what they're meant to say and you know whether you could help them out. Um, yeah, it was good. It was nice. It was it was good to work with you know that level of uh, athletes and stuff. So it was nice to have them and a lot of them, you know, they're just normal, you know kids some of them are like that young but they're just normal people and um you just you re- you realize really once you chat to them for a minute like if you were in that position as well you'd just be like what what what's going on what, what am i doing and some of them are like some of them may be media trained some of them are just really good some of them will just do whatever you say and they're all nice so it, it's harder for them i suppose than us yeah I can imagine it must be quite challenging if you've got two minutes and say and say someone's not getting it or not doing it the way you want it. Yeah, I mean, to necessarily go. Do you just have to compromise at that point? Yeah, it's hard when when we did um, Team GB and it was for the Winter Olympics. You know, we had like fake snow, and you know, it'd be like, get the snow going. Okay, say these lines, blah blah blah, and then you'd look at the camera and then the snow would be on like on the eye and you'd be like oh shit get snuffed yeah I do it again blah blah blah, blah. and you, you've just got to be as um, what's the word you've just got to be like as nice as you can and make them feel comfortable and if they can get their lines and like say this lines okay we're just going to get one more of those can you do it like this the, the hardest part is is, is that, that's where really you need like a crew and you need everyone to be hitting the marks and, and work really well as a team because you do have two minutes and you've got to get them lines and if you miss one line and then you get to like the edit and it's a script and it's it, this person's got to be saying that and you didn't get that line somehow it'd just be fucked so you need it you <laughs> you need to get all the, you can't fake that you know what i mean so you need to make sure you're getting everything and it can be stressful but you've got to do it and it's it's the same with any, any any of them really you've, you've got to get the script and you've got to make sure the snow's there it's getting done well make sure the lights are ready make sure everyone's ready because you on on days like that you're waiting a lot so you know you could be waiting two hours before you get the next athlete but you've only got them for like two minutes so you've got to keep the energy levels up as well because you are just waiting around a lot and, and in a way on them days that's when you can just go for a little wonder and see what another team's doing and how they've set up and maybe go on the other stage and see what they're doing and you know and then just that's like a little mini way of networking as well and that's that's what what it's about really yeah I've done some similar jobs where I worked as crew um, on those one of those gigs for Man City I've done quite a few actually mm. where it's all it's all about proper preparation you know the crew are there from seven or eight o'clock in the morning and the athletes might not arrive until three o'clock in the afternoon yeah. it's all about setting everything up and being rigged and ready to go yeah. you know you, you, they can't turn up you know they've got a three minute window and if a battery goes down on the camera <laughs> like, like you say you're fucked exactly. so it's about just being on it for those couple of minutes and you know 
as long as you've got a talented crew around you, it tends to go fairly smoothly because you just don't want to lose the uh, the athlete's attention because they'll just walk off. Oh, yeah. Because they just don't care. It's fun, isn't yeah. it? I think footballers, it's um, different. Maybe they're just like... Because it's, it's kind of like in the... Well, it's in all the athletes' contract, but I think with the players, the football players are probably like, all right, what do you want me to do? Kick that? Okay, kick it, done. Right, can I go? And they're just like gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, make sure you get your shots. <laughs> Um, so you've created a number of TV commercials, and uh, in my opinion, I think the quality difference between online content and TV commercials is actually getting smaller and smaller, as in the quality is really, really good. So obviously there's clearly investment being made in online content, online branded content anyway. Do you think there's a future for TV commercials? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, actually. I mean, I always laughed, really, because I never really watched telly. Um, I don't know either. It's you know, like like most people, it's you know Netflix or Amazon or whatever. So and only now and again, when it's um, you go on like Channel Four, what's it called? They're like four four OD or four all or something. That's when I see adverts. So because you, you're forced to. Oh well, yeah, them. I know, and and I always I just like thought that was quite funny that like. Um, at my I was always thinking, ah, oh, you know, but I want to do like a, a broadcast ad. Even if, or sometimes I do, um, you might do like a content ad and you, and then they might go, oh, well, the client might run it as a TV ad and then you think, ooh, great. But then you think, but who's going to see that? Because if I'm not, I'm not going to see it. But when, and you know what I mean? And it, like I did it, an ad once and it literally went out, I think once or twice for one day and that was it. And I'm thinking... And you just you just hope nobody gets up to make a cup of tea at that point. Yeah, and it's like, what's the point in that? And and, and the, the amount of money that has to go into the budget just to get it on TV as well is like, you know, astronomical compared to how much it costs online for Facebook or Instagram or anything. Yeah. So it's a... I think they're fighting a losing battle, to be honest. Yeah, it's... it's, it's just a, mo- a moment of time. It's a weird one. I mean, and you are right, like, the, the line is blaring because we're basically using all the same equipment anyway so what what is the actual difference there and i think it's just down to budget and if it if it was if it was tv it would have more budget so there'd be more you know there might be creative departments solely doing that rather than an agency doing that or a production company not you know like but nowadays you can probably go to a production company and get a tv ad made just the same probably cost a lot less or they've got everything in house or whatever but but there is always youtube ads so i suppose we can't escape them at the moment um and these like ads on instagram in you know in the story and the feed and stuff like that but the line is definitely blaring um i think it's a good thing because it's it's a bit more free and you know we're not constrained as much and you can be almost as long as you want to a degree, they don't always have to be like a 20 or a 30 and the message can be a little bit different. Like I always thought the, it, it's good to probably try and sell, to try and upsell uh, content to a client than to say it's a TV ad. Why not say, why don't we make a two minute film that can, you know, maybe give the same message or sell something as well and then from that you can make cut downs and you probably get a lot more it's probably to the client's side they probably see it as oh we're getting a lot more from money here but then like us people who are making it are getting more out of it because it's probably going to be a little bit more creative and 
you know, something that they want to like put on their reel at the end of the day. That's what people want to do, isn't it? So rather than being like, it's a 20 second ad that sells this, it's like, oh, well, what if it was just like this? And you're probably going to get like a million people watching it rather than 40,000. I mean, I'd like to see the numbers in comparison because I think that's the biggest thing. Um, seeing the numbers on like an ad that's on Facebook or an ad that's on YouTube or whatever, or the views or whatever, and just to see the comparison, like how much pound is it per person? Well, it's not even just about the numbers, it's about the engagement. That's why social is doing so yeah. well, is because they can you can engage directly with that ad mm. or that brand and and you can monitor that you can ex exactly to the point see what the drop off is and that ad. yeah exactly how do you do, how do you do that with a tv commercial you have no idea it's all just a guessing game yeah and it's i think realistically they only know when it was on a screen yeah you're right so i mean and they're forced to watch it in a in a different way i mean sometimes people only want to watch an ad people will seek out an ad which is weird isn't it because they'll try and like sort like see it and then to find it and then they will watch it because they've heard about it, and yeah, you're right. That 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 is the difference. That it's the engagement, and people want to see it almost, which is obviously like a dream for people who make ads. Yeah, like the person who came up with the "Is Pepsi Okay?" advert. Did you see that? I was on the Super Bowl ads. Which one uh, is that? With Martin, uh, Martin Sheen. If you haven't, I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. But check it out. It's on YouTube. It's just called "Is Pepsi Okay?" Which is what happens in every restaurant. You know, say, so "Can I have a, uh, <laughs> have a pack of Coke, please?" They said, "Is Pepsi Okay?" That's right. And Pepsi made an ad with that in mind and they completely just took it on board and ripped the piss out of themselves and they made an absolutely incredible advert to the point where people were seeking it out <laughs> and going have you seen this amazing advert really clever really well that's done. right though um, it, is, it is they always ask that and i'm like oh, okay exactly someone beat me to the idea <laughs> <laughs> so is your is your journey as a, a commercial director sort of leading would you like it i guess to lead to larger you know netflix dramas or maybe a feature one day or what are your aspirations oh yeah i mean i'd love to make a film i mean when you know when i was a kid it, it was like you want to be a director or you know you want to make a film basically um yeah i'd love to do that i mean it that's the that's the you know the the highest peak i suppose um maybe not for everyone but it is for me i mean just narrative as well. I mean, it's 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 good to be allowed to uh, in making content anyway is to like put some sort of narrative in there, um, which is hard. And once you start getting into that, and you know, then you realise like it is quite hard and to do it well and to make it mean something as well as trying to sell something. I suppose that's the the, the harder part. But yeah, I'd love to make a film. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm tr trying to uh, get this. Sh Sure, off the ground as well, so that'd be great. Awesome. I mean, that is the, the, the creme de la creme, as it were, for commercials, is, is to be able to sell something to somebody without them feeling like they're being sold to. Yeah, yeah, to make them, you know, just feel part of it or whatever. I mean, that, that that's a good thing about content, is that it, it could be an ad the same, but, you know, you don't really get ads that run over a minute, you know, because they probably cost too much to run on TV anyway. So it's always good when you've got a client who is kind of willing to do something like that, like I just did something for a uni a university uh, in in Sweden, and uh, they were great as a client. They were like amazing because they just had hundred percent, you know, trust in me and the and the agency that I did it with, and they just let us go for it. I mean, and I think it was two minutes in the end, um, 
and it you know it, it didn't have a voiceover it didn't have any text on screen um and it was just about a story and it was basically about looking back at your time in uni so it was like people sitting down as if they were going to get set up for an interview and then as soon as they begin to speak it cuts and then you've got all the the memories basically but um yeah but that was great to make and i think that's got like uh i want to keep on a check actually i think it's got nearly like seven hundred thousand views and that nice i mean one. that wasn't you know it wasn't aimed to like oh let's get all the views it was more just to uh kind of attract people to you know go to that uni um mm. and uh and it was just to sell the uni really but not even like in a, in a producty way it was just to go this is what uni's like and it wasn't that uni in particular it was more about what are your memories of uni this is what it is and isn't it great blah 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 but it was le- it wasn't really like an ad so that was that was great to do and yeah you're right you can see all the, well, I haven't seen the stats on it yet but I mean I've seen the numbers and that's that's nice to see that you know there's engagement there definitely yeah there's on the flip side you can get a lot of angry people being very vocal on your ad you can put your life and soul into coming up with a creative doing going through production editing it put it on social and in one second someone shoots it down yeah <laughs> that's a, it must you know has that ever happened to you before no luckily i mean lucky really because it's hard maybe to put yourself out there that much and say oh what if we do this and then you get to do it but I think it's just, it's always like good to kind of watch a lot of stuff. Obviously, I, I said I didn't see a lot of TV ads, but I was still always online, you know. Maybe it's Vimeo or YouTube or maybe it's, you know, just film anything really. But it's good to always watch a lot as well. And not, not watch a lot thinking, oh, I can't do that. Or, or I, you know, you get you don't want to stress yourself out and say like, oh, I'm not able to do that. But watch something and be inspired by it is 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 great because that that's that's what pushes you like and not so much like watching it and going i'm gonna do that you know not copying but even even if it's a film and you go oh i like i like that kind of thing and wouldn't that be great if we could i could use that and you know some one day you might be doing the treatment and you're like oh i remember that shot in that film and that that was kind of really good and that would be useful um not so much like... It's a homage, not <laughs> stealing, right? Yeah, like Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> just ripping everything off. But it's a homage, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. What would you say the, the video content market is like in Sweden at the moment? Is there much going on? I don't really know much about Swedish video, personally. It's the same. I mean, I didn't know too much myself, to be honest. I kind of... It's probably quite risky saying, yeah, I'll be freelance and I can do it over there and it'll be fine. Uh, but I've... I've, you know, not been lucky, but it's just so happened that um, where I am, these all these like kind of like smaller agencies, and there's quite a lot of clients, and they're seeing that all all clients on a lot of different levels want a video, no matter what, and it seems to be like the thing. So it'd be like silly to like as an agency to not offer video. Um, you know, as well as maybe they do, might might be doing some print stuff or whatever. But it's it it's it's a it's an easy sell. They all seem to want it, and yeah, it was it was. I I didn't know. I mean, it's the same. Everything's online now. Um, you know, language is probably that's a different thing. But uh, you know, I'm lucky that in Sweden most people speak English a lot, and I'm gonna 
lane, obviously. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's the video content and stuff. It's the same. It's just, it's maybe not as much because obviously uh, the UK is like ten times as many people, and these bigger cities, you know, like Manchester, London, there's a lot of work and stuff. So, but um, there's definitely is many agencies and clients and. You know, I'm near uh, Stockholm, and that's a capital city, so that's big, and there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's, it's it. I think it's like really similar, and they all want it in the same level. So, yeah. Cool. So, have you got any cool projects coming up that you you can sort of give us a bit of gossip on? Well, I just finished two, um, and one of them was like a super, like super quick turnaround. Um, the first one was that uh, that film for the uni, so uh, that was great. And then one that that was kind of a long one because um, that was started in kind of like November, and it wasn't like constantly, but it was like over like five or six, seven shoot days, um, and then an edit throughout. So that was kind of a long a long project, but it was nice to work on because. It was one of those like it's a montage thing, so you know, it's and it was using real students and you know real locations. So in a way, none of it was we couldn't really um, logistically do it. Like okay, we have got five days. That day is going to be you know at the uni. This day is going to be in the studio. Blah blah blah. It was more like we need to do it when people are available and everything else. And it was just me shooting, which I hadn't done in a while, but. I loved it and um you know in a way you've got like ultimate power then but you've also got uh ultimate everything to answer for if it's like goes tits up so it was uh <laughs> it was risky it, for me it was like I know I can do it and it, it's just kind of known you can do it um so I did that that was that was like a couple of months uh work and then this one was this other one I did it was uh, for the same client and it was kind of uh, another kind of little mini film, which was to get people to apply for. It was kind. Of, it was like a courseware for people who, if you work somewhere, it gets them. Um, it's like to like retrain people for the future. So you know, if you work in engineering, it'll be a little bit more training in like what whatever like artificial intelligence or whatever. So it'd be like train for that, and you can go to this uni and learn all that. So it was kind of like a. A call to kind of get people to apply, basically, um, and it, that was a bit different. That was like studio based, so we uh, we had kind of like studio lights and a couple of lights dotted about for flares, and it was a single person talking to camera, um, kind of like if it, as if it was a one take. So there were students and little setups and props, and that was fun to do. But I mean, that was like with a week, a week or so turned around. So, and sometimes they can be the best jobs. They can be the the ones that you've got to rush and just like run around like at this chicken, they they can be like the 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 more fun ones. So that was good to do. So just finished them too. So I think I'm gonna have a bit of a rest. <laughs> What's your kind of relationship with DOPs? Do you do, are you quite heavily involved with the visual theme and how you want it to look, um, or do you let a DOP sort of take the lead on that? And do you work with sort of similar crews as well? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean. Since I've moved here, I haven't yet. I've, I've kind of shot it myself, which has been good in a way. Obviously, I like working with you know a crew, which is great because you you surround yourself with people who are good, then you look good, and that's kind of how it works. But yeah, I've got um, 
some people I work with and I'm always trying to, you know, get them on jobs and because if you know who you're working with and you know how each other works and, you know, you can kind of get the work done quicker and better and you can feel comfortable and everything. Um, but look-wise, it depends on it depends on what it is. I mean, usually it might be something that I might have been working on longer, whether I've done like a treatment or I've been, you know, and that treatment might have had, might have uh, like stock stuff or an example, influences or anything like that. Um, and then when the DLP comes on board, you know, you just, you just, you kind of like, if you know you can use this, that person, then you, you're trying to get them in as early as they can, even if, it's not been given the go-ahead yet. It's good to get them involved too because then it's just good to get on the same page. Um, and uh, and then, you know, once it comes to it, you, you know exactly what you're going to get and then you can focus on whether it's like the actors or make sure you're getting the right part of the script and you're not so worried about what's getting shot. You can have complete trust in uh, what's going through the camera, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, amazing. Um, I'm just, you know... Want to be respectful of your time. Is um is there anything else you'd like to add before coming to a close? Obviously now is your chance to plug away and and shout about ways people connect with you or employ you. <laughs> oh, I'm not I'm not here for that. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, me. There's my website and and Instagram's like the best one because I mean you're on it every day and if you get a message through that you see it and then you know you might start emailing from there. Um. I think that is kind of nowadays like the main tool and then a website. So, yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, you can Instagram. Yeah, all right, cool. I'll put the links uh, to your Instagram handle you. in the show notes. Thank you very much for your time, mate. It's been a pleasure chatting Thank to you. you. And I hope you had as much fun as I did. Yeah, thanks, man. Nice to chat. <laughs>